Hi there, and welcome back to Building Better Basketball. I'm Neil Gray, Community Coach and Volunteer Development Manager for Basketball Australia. I'm really pleased today to welcome along Peter Downs for today's episode. Peter's got 30 years experience working on inclusion and diversity issues in sport and recreation. His main focus has been on the inclusion of people with disability into regular sporting environments. Peter's filled roles, including the Assistant Director with the Australian Sports Commission Integrity Unit, and most recently as National Manager of Play by the Rules, a national government and non-government initiative that promotes safe, fair and inclusive sport. Peter was also co-founder of the not-for-profit health, health promotion charity, The Inclusion Club. It was designed specifically to help people working in the field of sport, physical activity and disability. It's a free subscription-based website where people are able to share best practice, models of inclusion and develop original resources to assist people anywhere in the world, provide better opportunities for people with disability to benefit from sport and physical activity. It's great to have you here with us today, Peter, and I can't wait to get stuck into a few of these questions. <laughs> no problems. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for the invite. Peter, sport's obviously a passion for you looking through that um, kind of brief synopsis I gave you, and you do have uh, an interest in basketball as well. What are some of the things you've seen in your time that make sport so important to inclusion in general and some of the pitfalls you've seen coaches fall into? Mm, yeah, yeah, you start with the big questions. Um, I think, you know, sport sport is a reflection of society um, in that sense. In and in terms of inclusion, sport is a, a fantastic vehicle generally, um, all sports are, for showcasing how inclusion can work. Uh, primarily because you can often see it, you know, firsthand. You can really visibly see the benefits and outcomes of being inclusive directly. And sometimes that can, you know, that can mean the change of a colour of a ball can do it. Um, sometimes it can be that simple that you can see the physical outcome of inclusion working, the enjoyment that people get from from uh, a truly inclusive environment, the outcomes that can be achieved in a short space of time. Sport is really amazing vehicle, amazing vehicle, and probably more so than anything else, given the media coverage it gets and given the profile, given the number of people involved um, at the community level, you can see, you can physically see the benefits of, of inclusion. Um, sometimes in a workplace, um, in workplaces and other areas of society, inclusion is equally important, of course, but it's harder to see the benefits all the time. Um, but here you can physically see one day to the next in sport the outcomes that inclusion can can, can achieve. Um, regards to pitfalls, um, I th you know, this uh, you did warn me about this question, so I had to had to think about it. And I think the one thing that's in, endured over you know my, my career really um, is that equity, equality is not the same as equity, um, for, 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 particularly for coaches that. Treating everyone, treating everybody the same is not being inclusive. We have to recognize and see and test our observation and our listening skills in particular um, to look at where the differences are and to make modifications based on those there. So treating everybody the same is not treating everybody, is not equity. Um, we have to recognize the disadvantages, the inherent disadvantages that some people have in terms of participation recognize what they are, observe them, listen to them, and experiment and make changes to accommodate that. And I think treating everyone the same is a, is a repeated mantra I've heard 
throughout my career. This is, yeah, we, we welcome everybody. Great attitudes. Most people have fantastic attitudes towards inclusion. I've never, in all the workshops I've done over the years, when I ask people to put up their hands who supports inclusion uh, in sport, I've, I think I've ever seen anyone not put their hand up. I mean, everyone supports it. It's, it's universal, but you do have to change something. You have to modify, you have to change your practice, the way you teach, the equipment that you use, um, the attitudes that your colleagues might have, all those things need to be able to recognize where they what where they are and how they disadvantage people in certain situations so keep in mind all the time that equality is not the same as equity in that respect and that would be the major pitfall i think yeah that's those are some really good uh points everyone it's really easy for all the coaches to uh to walk the walk and give the the kind of cookie cutter answers peter but yeah sometimes you have to actually get down and actually look at the the specifics of things you can change to make it more inclusive and it's not just yeah. being inclusive it's inclusive so yeah yeah and it's it is you know being proactive about it always thinking how can we make this better is uh, are people really getting the most out of individually in, in a group situation are is each individual individual in that group situation are they really participating to their fullest are there some disadvantages that i can remedy by actions that i can take as a coach i can modify the environment that we're in the way that i'm teaching it i can do all those things and experiment you know there's not it, there's not a one size fits all approach to inclusion experiment and try different things there are models out there which i can i can talk about that will that will help with that Peter, you've um, spoken in the past and in, in some of your other roles about parents and the role mm -hmm. they play in terms of inclusion of their own kids in sport. We've got a statistic that I've used a couple of times in previous episodes that about 75% of our coaches in the community space are actually parent coaches themselves, coaching their own kids and, and other people's kids as well. Could you touch on some key messages that, that you've um, seen in the past that you would suggest that these parents are aware of who are thrust into the coaching role? Or even just for, we will have um, plenty of parents, I think, who will listen to this or just spectators within their own kids' sporting journey as well. Yeah, yeah. And whenever I talk about parents, you know, it's the lifeblood and the uh, core and the fundamentals of sport in Australia, where parents being involved in, uh, you know, as coaches and spectators and, and, and encouraging their kids and everything. Um, however, I would say that my one key message would be Remember what the research says, kids just want to have fun and be with their mates. Um, there's a lot of research now. I mean, it's indisputable, um, really, that the prime motivation for kids involved in sport is to have fun and be with their mates. Uh, problems arise, and there's research supporting this too. Problems arise where clubs are very kind of adult outcome focused, um, primarily around winning but where the adults focus around the winning and their adult focused outcomes in clubs, then kids get put off by that. That's not the reason kids are involved. They're being called primarily to have fun and be with their mates. Um, a couple of years ago, a few years ago in uh, for Play By The Rules, I was involved in the development of a national program called Let Kids Be Kids, which some people listening may may have seen around. It's still on Play By The Rules um, there. And there in that, in that um, initiative we talked to a lot of kids and we asked them why do you get involved uh, 
what do you get out of it? What do you, how do you feel when you hear um, people from the sidelines um, uh, telling you to get up on, and uh, uh, berating from the sidelines and spectator abuse there? And every, every kid we talked to said things like, uh, oh, it's a bit embarrassing when that happens on the sideline. Um, I wish they just shout encouragement. Um, I wish they just, you know, uh, back off and, and it's not about, they, they just wanted to have fun and be with their mates with, was the core of Let Kids Be Kids campaign. Um, although the, the campaign materials are fairly short and sharp, um, I'd encourage people to have a look at some of the, the uh, more in-depth resources that are around Let Kids Be Kids that support all that idea, you know, that um, at, that, at that time we still see it. I think we'll see it forever more. I don't think anything like anything's going to solve this, but but you know, parental abuse from the sidelines, particularly in, in junior sport, is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, issue that Play by the Rules has had in its entire time. Play by the Rules has been around for fifteen years, and that uh, uh, abuse from the sidelines and, and parent behaviour abuse is probably a bit harsh, but parent poor behavior at junior sport has been the ongoing issue there. So I, I say, remember the research, kids just want to have fun and be with their mates. Have a look at the new Sport Australia coach, community coach program. I think that's what it's called, the coaching course there. And they have done a interesting, they've done a bit of a about face in the way that they've uh, put that together. I don't think it's particularly new, but it is particularly new in the way that they've constructed it by putting a very person-centered approach to community coaching. So taking that a more holistic approach to uh, individuals' enjoyment and motivations about participation in sport and particularly kids. So that's a refreshing um, uh, new from Sport Australia. I'll look at the way at, at, uh, at uh, coaching courses, community coaching courses. So um, take a look at that new community coach course. It's on the Sport Australia site. I think from what I've seen of it, it's very well worth doing and takes a very different approach, a very person-centered approach to um, to coaching. Yeah, we had um, Cam on, Cam Tradell from Sport Australia was a, a guest on the um, podcast a couple of episodes ago oh, and yeah. he went uh, through that. So anyone that hasn't listened to that episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it based on, on what Peter's just said as well. That'll um, reinforce some of um, Cam's messages um, Peter, in my introduction, I touched on the Inclusion Club, which is your um, new passion uh, project mm -hmm. that you're um, working on at the minute. And uh, reading about it, to me, it sounds fascinating. Can you tell us all a bit more about how that all started and where you would like to see it grow to and um, ultimately how people can engage and become involved with it? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's not exactly new. It's been a, one of those overnight successes for ten years. Um, now has been gradually working on it. It, it started um, uh, well over ten years ago now, probably about twelve years ago. Uh, when you know, sometimes you have an idea with your mate and you jot down a few ideas in a pub uh, one day, and then it, one day it becomes a reality. Well, that's essentially what happened. My colleague at the time, who was in Australia, is an English guy called Ken Black, who I think is one of the, if not the leading practitioner in adaptive sport in the world um, has visited over 50 countries um, in a lifetime of work in this area and uh, I've known Ken for quite a number of years and I'd, I'd traveled a bit and seen examples of great practice wonderful programs that's going across the world uh, and in Australia of course as well um, 
but there was a lot of duplication. There wasn't a place where you could go and share these models of good practice, where you could learn from others and expertise in the area. And at that time, 12 years ago, um, we thought, well, the only place to do that is online, really, so that we can share models of good practice from across the world um, in an online forum. And that's how the birth of the Inclusion Club Club happened. Between us, we had quite a significant network, both in Australia and overseas, Ken around Europe and, and America, and me on this side of the world. And so we started to gather examples and case studies of good practice. Um, you know, basketball alone, we uncovered things like Baskin, um, uh, Baskin is very well worth looking at. There's a case study on, on the Inclusion Club, um, which is a form of basketball designed on universal design principles uh, from the ground up to include people with pretty high support needs in a game of basketball um, uh, with uh, able-bodied people and local basketball clubs um, uh, found in, in Italy. Uh, and there's a really good, some really good resources about how they've modified from the ground up. This is very much a universal design type thing from the ground up uh, and designed a modified game of basketball for a, uh, which is extremely diversive and uh, um, uh, inclusive form of basketball. There's also things like bank shot as well, which is a, a form of basketball type of activity that was again designed from the ground up, um, which is uh, all over America uh, now and parts of Europe. Um, as well, which very simple, simple version of that, again, for people with higher support needs, but for anybody really to enjoy. You can see when you see it, you'll see that um, it's really for anybody to enjoy. So things like that over the years, the network that's been created um, there and the models that have been, that people have learned from each other uh, as we've put things up there. Um, people have liaised, we've uh, had different kinds of forums over the years that we've presented at. Um, there as well. For the future, um, it's a good timing you asked me that question because for the future we're looking to expand. So far we're focused on inclusion of people with disability into activity and sport. But given the, um, uh, the importance of intersectionality and different forms of discrimination and, and inclusion and diversity, uh, we're about 80% of the way there in opening up the Inclusion Club to look at more uh, different areas of diversity inclusion in sport uh, to include gender, LGBTIQ, um, culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds and looking at articles and examples of good practice in those areas as well as all with people with disability as well. So having a forum that is attractive for authors to post um, their own uh, and not just opinion but programs and, and services on there as well um, but open looking at inclusion diversity more broadly um, rather than focused on one particular um, targeted area. I'd say I've been saying that 80% of the way there in building it, it looks significantly different to the current one. I've been saying that for about six months now because these things do take time. So I'm hesitant to put a date on it <laughs> there, but uh, uh, watch this space because it will change significantly um, in the next few months uh, as we build out um, some core content that looks at inclusion and diversity from a much broader perspective. You can still drill down into particular interest areas and see those case studies and examples, but um, broadly speaking, we're, we're, we want to open it up to look at the similarities and difference between intersectional forms of discrimination, inclusion, diversity. And that's the sort of goal and the future we want to go with it. Peter, there's obviously 
so many resources there that you touched on that I would really encourage people to go and look at. And I definitely will myself. If there was something um, outside of um, the uh, Inclusion Club that you would recommend a, a coach listening to this goes and reads, listens to, watches, do you, do you have anything off the top of your head there? I've got three, actually. Oh, perfect. I've, I've done my homework. If you don't mind me doing three, you can't see this because it's a podcast, but I'll show you, Neil. Um, there. The first one, um, which has been a bit of a Bible for me and certainly is a, a book by Angela Duckworth uh, called Grit. And I often think over the, over the years, grit and resilience are, is, are the main things that really push, particularly community coaches, through and help them learn about inclusion. There's going to be times when things fail. There's things like the implementation dip where things don't go so well. There'll be problems that find really hard to solve at times. But grit and resilience will get you through that. And good coaches uh, um, uh, show really good grit and resilience over time and achieve outcomes in that way. So there's a book by Angela Duckworth called Grit, uh, which looks at how the importance of grit in a whole range of areas um, over time. So I definitely would recommend that one. Another one is The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg here. A few years ago, I did quite a bit of uh, work around habits because it appeared to me that some of the things, particularly uh, coaches, were in habits of doing things in certain, we all are, you know, we all have uh, conscious and unconscious habits that we do every day there. How can we recognize some of those exclusive unconscious habits that we sometimes have that are not conscious we're not consciously they're the things we've done for a long time and how can we break that cycle of unconscious habits that can be exclusive in the way we do things so our terminology that we use our actions that we use uh, our routines that we have in terms of activities and training sessions for example we, we get so programmed and so busy in that way that it's hard to recognize sometimes those unconscious habits that we get into that can be exclusive. And exploring, this book explores the power of habit. It explores the way that we can break those kind of cycles by doing things a little bit differently and recognizing that we've got into these habits over time. And I've experimented with a few of these myself, just breaking your own personal habits, even little ones, and be amazed how it transforms the way you think. So try just breaking, if you think of a few daily habits that you have that you hardly think about, and try and try and break those have attacked those um, this morning I went for a run and you get in the habit of going one way around the run that you know you go clockwise around it this morning I went no I'll go anti-clockwise and it it's looked like a completely different run and your phrase refreshing and I did a really good time this morning because it suddenly it's exactly the same run but I broke the habit of going around clockwise and went around anti-clockwise and it seemed completely different Anyway, <laughs> I reckon there'd probably be something in like the balance of your brain or something with that, yes. like yes. leaning and the blood's rushing to another side of your brain or something like that as well. Frontal cortex. Yeah, it's all explained in here. Honestly, it's <laughs> a fascinating. It's quite scientific in parts, but it's quite. But you can retrain. That's what you're saying. You can actually retrain some of those things mm. in your habits. And the final one is uh, is a one of my all-time favorites, The Invisible Gorilla. This is a brilliant book. <laughs> and the, one thing I've always talked about, particularly in inclusion, diversity, 
is the real importance of uh, listening and watching. Of obser observation skills are critical. Now, all good coaches will know this. They're all good observers. But when it comes to inclusion, you really have to observe and hone your observation skills to a fine art as much as possible. And the Invisible Gorilla is primarily about those observation skills people have that me and you can see the same thing, but we interpret them entirely differently. Even if it's really simple, we can watch two people throwing a ball between each other and you and me can see different things. And this is what the book looks at. So I've used it a lot in presentations over the years. Some of the, um, there's a great video too, if you look at it, look, look up on YouTube, The Invisible Gorilla, and you might see, if you know it, you'll, you'll see what I've I mean. Used it. I've used it in countless coach education uh, courses, Peter, but yes, I encourage anyone to uh, go and watch the video. We might have spoiled it a little bit if you're yeah. a more <laughs> lateral thinker and you draw the line between the book title and the video that we've invited yes, yes, you to okay. search, but think of it in terms of how you would then present it to uh, to your um, players. And um, it'll definitely, uh, I think that's a fantastic video. And my wife's always going on that I buy way too many books. Thankfully, I purchased <laughs> a uh, Kindle. So now the, the books arrive without her knowing. Um, and I'll definitely be purchasing a couple of them. Peter, yeah. last one um, before we let you go. And we ask everyone that comes on the podcast this and we've had some fantastic answers from the the range of guests we've been lucky to have if you could ask one coach mm. dead or alive any sport in the world a question who would the coach be and what would the question be <laughs> i'm not quite sure who the coach i know what a question would be because you did warn me of this question but i don't know i'm not sure who the coach would be i have a think as i'm as i'm talking um i would ask them when I was talking about grit, I would ask them, how do you monitor your own resilience? And it's, so how do you know how you're tracking? How do you know if you're uh, in a down period or how do you monitor your own resilience? How do you um, support it? In my time with Play By The Rules in particular, and when I reflect on this, in my time with Play By The Rules, it's very much a solitary position. There's one manager for a national program with 20 organizations. You, it takes multi-skilling to a new level being manager of play by the rules but sometimes it can be a very lonely existence particularly where something like COVID comes along and you're really stuck at home there was no traveling suddenly when I was traveling a lot meeting a lot of people I suddenly wasn't traveling at all at home all, all the time and what got me through that were a small network of people who I turned to on a weekly basis who were kind of mentors uh, partners colleagues um, people that run ideas off, you probably know a few of them, um, Neil, uh, and they were invaluable in terms of supporting my resilience during that time. So I said, oh, you know, I'd, I'm not quite sure how to get through this or I want to discuss something. And they were always open in a small group. There was about four or five of us, really, nationally who work in, in this area. And I had them as a fallback. That was one of the ways that I coped with resilience. So what I want to ask is, how do you monitor your own resilience? And I saw at the weekend, I'm not a great rugby league fan, but a kind of a rugby league fan. I kind of watch it. But we know a little bit about here about Ricky Stewart, and he does amazing work in the community here. Now, Ricky Stewart is the Canberra Raiders coach, obviously, but he's actually a bit of a legend locally in terms of support for the community, particularly people with disability. And uh, my wife used to teach his, his daughter 
um, here as well. Um, so you know, we've got some connections through Ricky Stewart and, and he takes it really serious, his role really seriously. And when they go through a hard time, you can see that he's really suffering there. But I think he manages his own resilience really well. I'm not quite sure how, but he just he moves on. He stays positive when he has to, um, and he manages resilience really well. So I'd like to ask him, how do you monitor your own resilience? Fantastic. Peter, thank you so much um, for your time. That's been a, a fascinating lesson just for me, and I'm sure um, everyone that's um, that's going to listen to it will get at least one thing out of it, if not many. So thank you uh, so much for your time. Good luck with um, everything uh, with the remaining 20% of the next step of the <laughs> Inclusion Club. And um, yeah, again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Neil. No, not a problem at all.